Welcome to Charting the Course, a podcast from Full Sail Capital. We're a registered investment advisory firm committed to helping clients grow and manage generational wealth. We do this by focusing on integrity, competency, and transparency each and every day. No matter where you find yourself on the investing journey, our hope is that these conversations, stories, and interviews can empower and equip all investors with fresh insight and perspective on the capital markets. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome back today. It's great to be with everybody. I'm joined in studio by Miss Stacy Murray and Miss Candace Guy. Hello, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. We're gonna we're gonna go through a topic that I think is really interesting. We've really hit on in the past, we've hit on different levels of advisory services, but today we're really gonna go over we're gonna answer a question by asking more questions. So the main question is do I need a wealth management team? We talk about our team approach and how it differs. Well, I think in Candace, you you brought this up and you're gonna help kind of guide the conversation with the five questions you came up with to ask. But when do you need to start asking these questions? Uh, some people don't know when or where to start. Some people kind of stay in neutral and or stay on high ground and it takes a little while to get off. So Candice, you've come up with five questions mm-hmm. that I think do a really good job of asking and stirring some good discussion. And so then I've asked Stacy to come in and really help from our side of the table, from the advisory role, the conversation we're having with clients yeah. when maybe we've seen some of these uh, step up. So anything else you would add on on some where these questions stem from? Or Well, I think it was just doing some research and thinking about, you know, people that could be prospective clients and just kind of diving into that area of, you know, people asking the right questions to know where they need to go next. You know, there's all different kind of categories. Like we've talked in the past about different types of firms and we've kind of compared and contrasted and things like that to kind of show who full sell is in that realm. But sometimes you just need to know if you need a wealth management team at all. So we figured we kind of dive into some questions. So we'll, we'll start. And I get it all the time just being asked, you know, do what's the difference in a financial advisor versus a wealth manager? And am I ready for that wealth manager? Mm -hmm. And I kind of go back to when I used to instruct for KPMG and it was, you always answer the question kind of, it depends, right? And I Mm -hmm. think that's what we're going to see today is it really depends. It depends on your situation that you're going through, your family estate, where you are with generational wealth, maybe where you are with businesses, things like that. So I think it'll be a great podcast. So thanks for having us, Tyler. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining me. So Kim, I'm going to kick it to you. Yeah. Let's get started. we'll dive in here. So first question that came up was, do I anticipate a liquidity event in the next two to five years? So if someone comes to you guys and they're in that position, where do you go with that? Stacey, I'm going to kind of tee you up here because you work with so many of our business owners that I think either one dream about this day coming Mm -hmm. or are six months away from this day. Right. It's hard to catch them sometimes two to three years out. But I think this is an incredible question because if you do anticipate some type of liquidity event and, or if you anticipate Mm -hmm. selling your business someday, or maybe your family is anticipating selling the business someday. It, why is it so vitally important to have a team like us in place prior to that happening? I mean, yes, this is a great example. We've been actually working through one um, just recently. And I think the biggest thing is taxes. Yeah. It's really hard. I love when a client comes to me and says, hey, I just sold, um, had a big liquidity event and now I've got capital gains. And what do I do? Like, how do I get away from them? I'm like, well, if you would have came to us earlier, we could have maybe tried to structure the deal differently or we could have done different tranches. And so when I think of a wealth management team, let's talk about what's the core parties of that, right? So mm-hmm. your core parties are going to definitely be, you need to have a banker, got to have a local bank. We're big on that. Somebody that you can go to, especially as a business owner, got to have a line of credit, local banker. Not only that, you need to have a great CPA, 
CPA that you're working with and a bookkeeper. Those can be the same people or those can be different people, but you've got to make sure that you have your books and records ready to go in and check because the cleaner that your books are for that company coming in to buy them, just having those expenses that relate to the business, the faster this is going to go and the least amount of red flags we're going to see. Of course, a potential buyer is going to come in and try to scrub everything, Mm -hmm. but the seller's position is making sure that they have everything dotted, their I's dotted, their T's crossed, they're ready to go on the financial side of it. Right. So I'd say your core team's that. Definitely um, an estate attorney slash business transaction attorney, we need to make sure that we've got an attorney looking over those agreements. And it doesn't just happen overnight. If a deal is rushed, more times than not, if a deal is rushed, then the seller is not usually get, getting the best end of the deal. There's not a reason for anybody that we're working with to say, I've got to hurry up and sell and I've got to sell it right. in 30 days, 60 days. Right. Don't want to find yourself in that position. Yeah. And to your point, you laid out the parties at the table where I think the wealth management team comes into play is that none of those people are all under one roof. Nope. Right. And I really shouldn't be. Um, I don't know of a firm that does all of those things, but you really want all those individuals to be under different roofs, different expertise. And so what I think our team does a good job of, and Stacey, to your point, what you've done with this client is we're just the central part here where the wealth management team, where the, where the quarterback, you don't even need us right now. We're just helping organize. We're helping structure. We're helping advise. Right. And that is incredibly impactful to have another set of eyes on the same side of the table with that client. I tell my business owners all the time, there's going to be a lot of emails I'm copying you on. So you're aware, but you don't need to respond. And that's what really, I think, brings together the wealth management core team is we are moving behind the scenes. 915 is a big deadline for any qualified plans for 2022 contributions. So we're we're upon 915. Right. I, you sh- I am sending emails for my business owners, talking to their CPAs, talking to their qualified third-party administrators, trying to figure out that perfect amount that they're going to be paying into to their qualified buckets. So they're reducing taxes to the IRS for Uncle Sam. So, I mean, that's a great example of, and my business owners are aware of it, but they're not having Mm -hmm. to do anything. So yes, we are definitely quarterbacking for them. I think that's a great analogy, especially moving into fall. Yes, finally cooler weather upon us. Thank goodness. But um, I think that's a great, great example of what we're doing. And the biggest thing is we're just copying those business owners because they're too busy to be doing anything. We're taking it off their plate. Exactly. We're able to to go in. And if you know your team, and again, we're not going to get into the whole fiduciary advisor versus not like there, you can go back and listen to that podcast if you want. But if you know you've got a, a trusted team behind you, to Stacy's point, then you're you're seeing the emails come through, you're seeing the call logs or the notes come come across your desk, and you just know that it's being handled. So, well, I think that lends its hand to number two is have my finances become more complex and nuanced? Yeah, yeah. I think you know that really says yes. And that moment when you're having big events or things like that, or you've just gotten to a point of of life that you're like, okay, this is bigger than it was. Who yeah. do I go to? Yeah. And, and Stacey, I don't know about you, but normally when you realize they become more complex and nuanced is when you've missed something. Right. You've all mm-hmm. of a sudden missed a deadline. You've all of a sudden missed yep. taking advantage of something. Right. I think, yeah, that's a great example of that you've missed a deadline. I think the other ones that I've been dealing a lot with are physicians. And we refer to, you know, not just physicians, but we've got a term kind of here and it's in the financial world. So I can't take credit for it, but it's Henry. It's high earners, not rich yet, but they are great 
great example of they are getting more complex because their salaries are going up, but they've also probably got a lot of student debt. And what we're seeing with like the student debt forgiveness, and then there's been a pause on student debt um, right now that's coming back. And so you're going to have to start paying your student debt. We're seeing interest rates go up. So maybe it's not just student debt, but it's, um, I've got a dentist right now in Edmond that's doing a practice. And so he's having to have financing on it and he had locked it in luckily before interest rates went up. But um, he went over, of course, right? Building materials, everything, mm-hmm. the overages. Up. And the bank, unfortunately, is telling him, look, if you need to finance these overages, we're going to unlock your rate which was a really good rate two years ago. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to give you a higher yeah. rate. And so he's came to me, has nothing to do with me. And I'm like, okay, let's look at this. Let's see where we pull cash, how we do it, how we prioritize your cash so that you're not having to unlock and get a lot higher rate on right. the majority of this financing that you need. And so that's a great example. And it's just the time and the environment we're in. Cash is great right now. We're finally getting paid on having cash with interest rates. But the biggest thing we're seeing is clients coming to us saying, oh my gosh, I need to borrow now or I want to pull some cash because I don't want to borrow because the interest rates are just so high for what they've got going on. So I think that's kind of the complicated situations that we see where it makes sense for you to get a wealth management team in place. The only thing I'll add here on this question, because I think it's Stacey did a good job answering it. And I think people kind of generally understand, okay, I've gotten too complex or I've gotten more, you know, I need more eyes on my financial picture. There are plenty of really good advisors out there that can speak into it. What I think sets a team apart, at least the approach we take, is you can have Stacy at the table who's a CPA, who's a CFP. You can have Kyle Ray at the table who does a lot of our financial planning and, and uses our technology platform on Orion to really dive into it. You can bring Max to the table and get some estate planning and wealth transfer strategy with same with David. So you get all of that though. Right. Whereas if you're working with just one individual, albeit probably a great person, uh, it can be time when you've just outgrown it. And that's really, I kind of think the point when it, the, the complexity arises is when you need maybe that team. So yeah. the only thing I was going to add there. And I think, you know, you didn't mention what you do, which has been great with a lot of my business owners, my physicians, they also come in and they say, okay, I want to save on taxes, but I also need to start saving for retirement. The qualified buckets of like qualified retirement planning right. that we can do those sure. buckets that we can get really smart about Roth conversions. Cause a lot of the clients that we work with are in the highest tax brackets. Right. And so we've, I mean, saving 37% is a big deal big right deal. now. We're also looking, you know, accelerated to not to get in a lot of tax laws because I know I've just lost everybody <laughs> saying accelerated depreciation, wake back up. But the bonus depreciation, all of that is starting to kind of unwind. You're losing 20% increments as we over the next couple mm-hmm. of years. And so I'm working with a client right now sitting on a lot of cash and we're looking at putting some more equipment in and going to buy it yeah. before the end of the year. And so I'm working with their CPA on that. That's a great example. So, yeah. Though. Right. So I just highlighted how you're a CPA, but we're working with their Correct. tax right. planner, their CPA. I'll jump on those coattails because I, what I love about what both of you had said so far is not only do we have the capability of connecting the dots with those outside of our office, as Stacy mentioned with CPAs and estate turning and business transaction, you know, lawyers and things like that. We have those connections to make sure that you're working with the best person in your situation, but to Tyler's point, we also have people in-house that are educated and have expertise in those areas that can help here. We're able to you know, kind of point in the right direction regardless. So yeah. just speaking of a team in general. Sure. Okay. So uh, another thing that I know that we speak to is, you know, generational wealth and things like that. So is that something, you know, a family starting to discuss and involve their next generation and in managing their wealth and things like that? So I'll let you guys take that. 
I have a great example on this. I mean, this just happened two weeks ago. I've got a couple. They're both physicians. They're doing everything right. They've raised one daughter that's amazing. She's going to school. She's going to be amazing at what she does. And they've, they've got a boy here at a private school. And I was in their kitchen and we were kind of getting ready to start our discussion on what we were going to knock out for the afternoon. And it was breakfast. We we're going to knock out that morning. And their son walks through. And keep in mind, their son, they are making sure that they're doing, they've got their son employed with them. So they're doing everything correct from financial tax perspective. And so they've got him employed with their business. They're doing Ross. They're doing 401ks, everything along those lines. And I said, I told the boy, I said, Hey, one second. Do you know what we're talking about today? And I said, do you know what your parents are doing for you? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? He's 16. Keep in mind. And he plays soccer. He plays football. He does it all. And I said, they are putting X amount of dollars aside for you. And by doing that in the future, you will then have X amount. And he was kind of like, wait, what? And I said, yeah, this is what they are doing. And I want you to understand interest, time value of money, compounding, and where it can take you at the age of 50. And the dad looks over at me and goes, Stacey, we've never had this conversation. And I mean, they are they are going to have significant wealth for their children. And I said, I know, I, that's okay. And he goes, no. He's like, I can't believe we haven't talked to our kids about this. And so he says, you know, I'm going to say Billy Bob. That's not his name, but Billy Bob, come over here. And he pulls up a financial calculator and he goes, look, if you started saving at the age of 30, this kid is 16. If you started saving at the age of 30 and you saved X amount per month, here's where it could be at the age of 50. And the son, literally his exact thing was, I don't understand this. Right. I, I don't understand this, dad. And we're like, it's interest. It's time value of money. It's compounding. And his dad goes, now, wait a minute. I'm going to back you up and I'm going to give you an extra 15 years because we're starting to save for right. you at 15, not 30. Mm-hmm. Now look at where you are compared to your peers. And I mean, it was just mind blowing. And so it was, and so we kind of left and, and they're doing, I mean, they've got the kid doing infant crisis board meetings and they've got him right. volunteering at hospitals and well-rounded, but they had never thought of the financial literacy. Piece of it. And Side that is it. such a huge, huge, important aspect that I think we've got to focus on. And it's just a small discussions. It's so small talks around the table of like, Hey, here's what we're doing with this or that. And it's, it's okay. I've got a client. I love it. They bring their daughter. She's 12. They make her sit in a meeting more than anything. (laughs) They want her to just be aware of the conversations, what's going on. She's going to be taken care of as well. But their big thing is they want her to be able to understand money and not feel like she has to rely on her husband. No offense. That's kind of the world we live in. And they bring her to the meeting and they say, we don't care. We just want her to be a sponge and soak up whatever she can. That's great. Um, And so it's small things like that that I think people are so scared to talk about money with their kids because I think there's two reasons. They're first worried that they're going to feel like, oh, they're going to be entitled and they're never going to want to work. Or they think if we start talking to them about money, they're going to figure out how much money we are worth. And so those are kind of the things that they they kind of teeter-totter. And you don't have to fully disclose it, but I think it's so important to get your kids involved. And it's not just kids that are 15 to 20. I've got older clients that are 60 to 65 and their kids are 30 and they haven't been talking to them about it. And I'm saying, okay, you get hit by a bus tomorrow and they inherit the amount of money that we're talking about, you know, millions of millions. How have you helped them? Yeah. Right. Where do they go with that? Where do they go with that? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing too, is to start small and start with the gifting. And those are great amounts that you can start doing. You can gift 17,000 per person per, you know, per individual. And so I think that those are things that you can start doing to get them excited about money. Money can be fun. It's not just monopoly. That's fun. I mean, money, true money can be fun to work with. So two things. One soapbox real quick. If we don't start teaching financial literacy classes as required courses in high school, let alone college, then there's only so much a wealth, your wealth management team can do. Drives me crazy. 
it's getting better. I think from, it, yeah. I, I was talking to my cousins that are seniors at Evan North. My and kiddos have also taken financial. Literacy. So it's getting better, but that drives me crazy. Okay. I'll step off. Now, <laughs> the only thing I'll add, cause I think Stacy with, with the examples you gave really drove home the point, but if you have a wealth management team that you can bring in, you have an advisor on a team or you've got somebody you can come and sit down with and help guide that conversation. A lot of people are more comfortable to have that conversation. The hardest thing to do is, oh yeah, you need to go home and talk to your kids about this because most people don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Talking about money to us, and I joke with my wife about this because I can come home and talk about money or numbers and it's no big deal. Whereas in her world, it's not. It's That's not what they talk about. Am I the rest of my family that's in ministry, that's not in their world. So it's just something that's not as maybe comfortable or maybe they're not as fluent in discussing it. Right. So yes, it's so important. If you are at that stage, having a team in place or a trusted advisor in place to help guide that conversation is huge. And then you kind of hit on it. But I think the legacy planning aspect, I don't care if you have, if you're going to inherit or pass on $500,000 or if you're going to inherit and pass on $20 million, if you want that money to last or you want it to be used properly, have that legacy discussion. Why did you build the wealth you built? Why is it important to you? What are the causes you cared about? Having those conversations, that's a lot of what I get involved in, at least on the nonprofit side and the institutional mm-hmm. side. That is, that, that's killer. If, if your kids know there's a rhyme and a reason and there's a passion behind it, in my opinion, it are, it, it's a lot more likely that that will last through that third right. and fourth They'll generation. They'll protect and continue. Well, and it's, it's two, you're making sure that what's important to you is important to your kids. And what's going to happen with, like like you said, the legacy of your money. I had a client yesterday and I thought it was genius the way he had just set up. We've redone his estate. We were on a call with his estate attorney and he said, look, Stacey, you've really got me thinking and I want to make sure that I am leaving some amount of my net worth aside to Oklahoma City community, okay. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, you know, okay. yeah, yeah. Oklahoma in general. But here's the deal. I want my kids to do it and not me. He said, I'm pretty generous, but I want to make sure my kids are doing it. And I said, I love this. So in his estate plan that we just redrafted yesterday, the first bullet is before the kids get to take any funds, any money, they have to give X amount Mm. away to charities. And he said, there's two children. They can do whatever. They don't have to agree. It doesn't have to be a committee. They can say, okay, I'm taking my amount and I'm taking my other half and I'm going to figure out what to do with it. And I thought it was genius. They have to give it to a 501c3 organization. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, okay. And the state attorney brought this up. And I was like, well, that's good. And she's like, well, if they don't do that, they could go give it to Billy Bob's friend, right? And I was right. like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. So mm-hmm. you do have to- Put that some is stipulations. Why, that yeah. is why you have your core team. And you know, we're, we're sitting here thinking through great ideas. And you know, we're always brainstorming. I was like, way to have our yeah. estate attorney on the phone because she knew exactly how to put that in there. So I thought that was really key. I think the other thing with financial literacy is we think we're raising our kids. I had a client call last week and he was so embarrassed and he said, I'm phoning a friend. He's, he goes, my 25 year old son has not filed taxes. What do we do? And I go, oh my gosh, let me call some CPAs off the record. Let's figure this out for you. And he had thought he had done everything right. You know, right. he was talking mm-hmm. to his boy cause they were expecting their first grandkid. And he was all excited saying, you're going to get a deduction. He goes, dad, I got to admit something. And, <laughs> and he's kind of been side hustling. He does his own stuff. Always kind of been a 1099. And those, yeah. those get confusing. They get you know? confusing. It's different than a W2. Mm-hmm. So 1099 kind of, you know, just went into the world and workforce and never pay taxes. So that was a great example of making sure you have a core management team. And this guy, I mean, his dad, I mean, I think he was just even more embarrassed than anything of how did my child that's 25, I didn't, you know, relay enough to him. But he had somebody to call. Yeah, he did. He had someone to call. But more importantly, I had somebody to call too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and we can get in. 
yeah, yeah connected. we've had that conversation. So I think, you know, as we move forward, we'll go to when someone feels like they've outgrown their, maybe their current individual advisor that they, they've been using, or maybe the firm that they're with, they're not sure that they're capable of doing all of these yeah. pieces. How do we convey kind of what we do in those so situations? The, the thought that comes, comes up here for me is, and again, the goal and people, I think, hopefully know us by now, but the goal is never to pick on other firms. We're just highlighting the differences is the way I like to put it. Maybe that's the nice way of putting it, but it's a very way, good way of putting it. I think what happens a lot and Stacey, you brought up doctors or lawyers or some of these high earners that the first thing they get introduced to out of law school, out of grad school, out of uh, medical school is the insurance space. And that at that point, that is what you need. You need that malpractice. You need that disability. Some of them get sold too much. That's another conversation. What I think happens though, is you get to a point where you've outgrown the capabilities of just your insurance broker or your financial advisor that has sold you insurance. And that is one area where, again, have you outgrown your current advisor? We've, we've already kind of started to answer that, but I think this question really geared toward more the firm you're working with. Are they able to offer you over and above really what you need or have you maxed out? I, I do think though people outgrow or outgrow the needs or just become, have different needs and they need to pivot away from, and right. I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not picking on the insurance world. It could be somebody that really started out as a tax advisor and really helped you get set up in the beginning of your small mm -hmm. business days. But now you've graduated from that and you really more of a team. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think to piggyback on what you're saying is exactly right. Like I have a client that has worked, they're physicians and they got in early with um, kind of an insurance broker and they've been sold a lot of products and not all products are bad. I will say that not Absolutely all products not. are bad. Some clients that aren't a fit for us are great fits for annuity because they cannot physically weather the storms of yeah. the ups and downs of the market. Or there's others that are widows that this is, they've gotten their life some, and this is all they're going to ever have. And they can't go weather the storms, yeah. ups and downs, the rides. But a lot of our physicians, um, they tend to be the most conservative in nature. And so a lot of what the market does, does terrify them, but they came, they've come to a point where they have kind of self-insured, right? They've got enough wealth that they can weather that storm, the ups and downs wow. of the market, and they're going to be fine. Right. And so it's kind of like cut out the insurer and the insurance company, because all they're doing is taking your money and going and investing it. And you become your own insurance company and you're okay. You can put money in equity and fixed income. So to your point, Tyler, I think that's a great example that we see that you've probably outgrown your current advisor and what you've got going on. Another one I've really been working with and I love working with lately is kind of the next generation of wealth. We're working with clients where it's definitely legacy money. They're inheriting legacy money through different tranches of their trust. So let's say they're 30, 35, 40, and they're getting a windfall of their trust coming to them. And their dad or their mom are saying, hey, you've always kind of worked with our advisor why don't you find your advisor? Or they're kind of saying, you know what? I've always worked with my dad or mom's advisor. And I think they do a really good job of taking care of my mom and dad because that's where the nest egg is. But I feel like I'm kind of the stepchild, right? Yeah. I don't feel like my assets are looked at or I don't feel like I get the phone call from their advisor saying like, hey, have you thought about me? I'm kind of just the second thought of everything. Yeah. Right. And so they really want to build that relationship with their own advisor to say, hey, dad, give me X amount of money or hey, mom, it's now I'm 35. I've gotten my windfall of my first trust payment. And I'm going to go invest it over here with Stacy, And I'm going to have my core team. That's not going to go against everything you're saying, but somebody to be in my best interest. Right. And that's been fun to see. Um, and I think that the parents are loving it because it's funny. We had, a, I had a one recently that the dad came in, sat down with the daughter 
And we kind of went through our lineup, everything that we did. And the biggest thing, once he left, the daughter called me and said, he loved that I was starting to understand it Mm -hmm. and that I was putting my team in place and that I was not just going to say, okay, whatever my dad does, I'm going to kind of follow in his footsteps. Because a lot of these first generation wealth are entrepreneurs and they want their kids to have that drive and that spirit. And so that I think is if you're just kind of going to where your mom and dad go as a financial advisor, challenge yourself and say, hey, wait a minute, should I get somebody that's going to be in my best interest to also be my core team to be looking out for my family and my kids now? Right. They're in the driver's seat. And like they've put themselves in that position. Absolutely. And I think one thing our our team does a good job of is tries to engage that second and third generation. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, we hope it's a good fit and that that second and third generation feel engaged. But to Stacey's point, if they don't, we have no problem saying, listen, you may be better off or you may be better served at, at this place. The only thing I'll chime in here and add is, and this isn't necessarily have you outgrown your firm capabilities, but are your firm capabilities or the firm you're at, are they truly serving you well? One thing that drives me crazy, and this is getting a lot better, but one thing we've talked about and that, that has driven me crazy over my, I guess, 10 years of doing this, if you live in Oklahoma and I won't pick on any city, but if you live on in Oklahoma and you're close to Oklahoma City or Tulsa, you do not have to go to Denver or Kansas City or Dallas or Fort mm-hmm. Worth or let alone New York to find a good wealth management team. We have a number of really good teams doing this approach that we're discussing right, right here in our state. And yeah. so that that does drive me crazy because people get locked up and tied up and attracted to these big, big names. Mm-hmm. but is that firm actually serving you in the best way possible? Right. So, and yeah. it's why go be, you know, a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. Right. And it's funny. I tell people I transitioned into wealth management three and a half years ago. And I tell people I work with full cell capital and they're like, Oh, in Oklahoma. I'm like, yes. And I tell them how much we manage, which is close to 1.7 billion. And they're like, in Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. it's so funny. And you're like, yes, in Oklahoma, there's a lot of wealth in Oklahoma. And not only that, Oklahomans love doing business with Oklahomans. And I think yeah. that that is so key. It's just our core values. It's how, and and your money stays here. Yeah. And so I think that that's been some, some neat things to see. And I think meeting in person is just so critical versus Zoom meetings that you yeah. just can't do. Uh, again, yeah. I know, you know, we know we have to. I've got <laughs> yeah. one on Friday, but I would much rather see your face. Yeah. Well, okay. I think it's important to say, don't assume you know, you have a firm that's in Oklahoma that's not capable of handling yep. it all. Ask the questions, yep. right? You know, yep. that kind of thing. There's great firms here. Yes. Question five. Yes. Do you have confidence in your current estate plan and wealth transfer strategy? I think that's important coming off of kind of that generational if you're transferring wealth. So I think this one really, if I'm, as I'm looking at these questions, I think this is where I would start. I would start with, do I have confidence in my current plan, estate plan, wealth, wealth plan, or wealth transfer strategy? And if the, if your answer is no, then you go through and you can answer the other ones and maybe the other ones lead you to your answer. That's great. But I, I think this one is awesome because this is really where our team approach can shine because we can help make sure that estate plan is buttoned up and looks good and is up to date. Stacey, you just did an update to a estate plan like you were just discussing. Like mm-hmm. this is not a one-time thing. These need to be reviewed and mm-hmm. updated and discussed. Right. The strategy in which your wealth is going to transfer, that could change every single year based on assets, based on has a family member passed away, has a wealth transfer started, is there a generational skipping opportunity built into this? So again, high level for me and Stacey, I'll let you take it from here. But I think this part is if you, if something keeps you up at night within that realm, estate plan, wealth transfer strategy, generational wealth, then there's, there's your answer. 
in my opinion, of you, it's time to start looking for that team that can help you. And I agree perfectly on everything you're saying. And I hope I don't lose the audience again, but tax alert, December 31st, 2025, the lifetime exempt estate exemption amount is going to sunset unless Congress can get anything about it. But right now we are running under the considerations that it is going to kind of reset back to prehistoric amounts. Now you take into account inflation. So we're talking six to 7 million a person. And right now it's almost Almost 13 13, million a a person. So we're talking about cutting it in half. So I am actually, and we're kind of wrapping up. And so it brings it to a great story. We're working with a client that is getting ready to have a liquidity event in the next two to five years. And we're sitting there going, oh my gosh, this lifetime amount is going to come down in December 31st of 2025. We've got to kind of push some stuff through and maybe do some gifting kind of thinking through it. And so those are the things that you've got to have in place. And that's why you've got to have your core team in in place beforehand, not after you do it. But keep in mind that if you're sitting there thinking, I'm going to have anywhere of that net worth in the next five to 10 years, you've got to make sure that you're working with a team that's going to be able to help you. If not, you're more than likely going to be paying too much to Uncle Sam. And I hate to say it. Yep. And it goes back up to question one of, do you anticipate a blank, fill in the blank, do you anticipate something in the next two to five years from a wealth standpoint? It is never too early to start talking about that. Never too early to start planning uh, around that um, event. So Candice, I think these are fantastic questions. I really hope that any our, our listeners can take something away from it. And, and again, I don't know what stage of your financial journey you're on, but at some point, one of these questions is going to come up. Hopefully these answers we provided were great. The last thing I wanted to end on is just uh, kind of a story example of, you know, we get asked all the time, and Stacey, you and I have talked about this. In our world, we get asked all the time, what do you do? Or what do you do at Full Sail? What, what's your role at Full Sail? And yeah, we all have our own little niches that we kind of speak into and help guide. But at the end of the day, I really, every single day I walk in here, my daily duties, my tasks, my, descript, my job description varies. I could be driving to Shawnee for a 401k enrollment meeting, or I could be going in with Stacy to, to help with a client's tax planning strategy. I could be sitting down with somebody else and having that liquidity event discussion. So it really does vary, but we have the flexibility to do that. Every day can look a little different, but at the end of the day, we're helping clients no matter what we're doing. But I, I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? My, my days look different. I, it's not a, it does not look the same every day. Uh, what were the conversations we're having sound a lot different each day. Yeah. And I think just to sum it up is I I kind of uh, make this analogy is we're helping our clients keep the balls in the air, Mm -hmm. meaning our clients, business owners, physicians, family members, high net worth. They've got so many things going on. The last thing they want to be focused on are the things that we're doing, but we're helping keep those balls in the air so they can focus on everything else that they want to be doing. And we're making sure that we're moving everything correctly. So uh, the quarterback analogy is probably even better with fall, but make sure just you've got somebody in your court or on the field that's making sure that they have your best interests and they're keeping everything moving down the line so you don't have to worry about it. No doubt. Candice, would you, from your seat, just as you try to market basically everything we just said and put it on a piece of paper (laughs) in a video, anything we left out or anything you would like to add about just how our team differs, maybe the approach we take, anything like that? I I think what I find so special about sharing what I do and that is, you know, for Full Sail Capital, the director of marketing, I'm trying to get the message out of who we are. And ultimately we are planners, we're problem solvers, we're connectors. I mean, we are the people that come in 
you know, behind the scenes and make sure everything's working for you, working for the client, working for the people that come in here and trust us to be their advisor. And so ultimately, I think that's what makes us different is that we are consistently working for the other person. Like that is our main focus. We're very client focused and we're here to take care of things and and take them off other people's plates. So for sure. Wow. Couldn't said it better. Thank you. You are great job. Yeah. Candice, thank you so much for coming up with this and kind of guiding the conversation. Thank you both for sitting down. Stacey, thank you for joining us. Uh, To our listeners, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, We've got some really fun episodes on the horizon that uh, you guys can be on the lookout for. But this one, I think this one's a really important one to to think about and consider. So thank you both for being here. And we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, don't forget to review and subscribe to your preferred podcast platform. Have a great week. All opinions expressed by the host and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Full Sail Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Full Sail may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.